Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm an expert in performance and mindset, supporting business owners to create exceptional results in life and business. And I achieve this through coaching, training, speaking, and my online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success, and to identify the common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to accomplish your goals. Now, don't forget to hit that subscribe button to make sure you don't miss any of these brilliant episodes. Head over to jeffnicholson.co.uk to register for my Kick Mediocrity in the Nuts newsletter, as well as all you need to know on how to connect with me on social media or join the Facebook group. Now, on with the show. This episode is brought to you by SalesFlare, the super easy to use CRM for small businesses selling to B2B. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So we have got a great guest lined up for you this week, Dr. Doug Brackman. That was a bit of a tongue twister. (laughs) Doug is one of the leading psychologists to some of the most successful and driven entrepreneurs, pro athletes, executives, and other top performers. In working with these top performers, he has also created a driven assessment and driven shooting meditation. It's it's as crazy as it sounds. By combining the components of meditation, long-range shooting, and therapy, Dr. Doug helps those with driven characteristics often wrongfully diagnosed with ADD, ADHD, and OCD, or others, to harness their hunter abilities so they can stop self-sabotaging, find fulfillment in life, and achieve ultimate success. Welcome to the show, Doug. Thank you, Jeff. Um, Before we dive into this great conversation, can I just get a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point today? Yeah, so I'm a licensed psychologist in in actually Nashville, Tennessee, transplant from San Diego, and spent the last 25 years uh, really developing and working with a very specific type of person. I have a PhD in clinical psychology and a PhD in organizational psychology. That's been about yeah, 25 years now. So I've been very, very focused on a on the A plus personality, the type of person that I am. So despite what everyone says, people get into psychology to figure out their own crap. <laughs> this is true. This is true. So um, could you explain just for the sake of people that have not heard that that A type? What is ultimately that best sort of description that describes like for me, I see it as a you know, an athlete, a special forces soldier or something like that. But what ultimately is an A-type personality? Very simply, um, you know, like I just said, we get into psychology to figure out our own crap. And it's been an amazing time to be a shrink because it, it, over the last 25 years, we've done a couple things. One is crack the human genome. And then secondly, is developed a functional MRI to the point where we can see in real time what's happening in this animal body of ours. And so the theory goes, very simple, um, 
you know, as a kid, I would have been, you know, I'm 54 years old. So when I was a kid, ADD, ADHD, and all the, all the crazy labels that they seem to give us now weren't in practice. Um, and I started undergrad in 1989. And in 1991, an article came out in Time magazine that said, you know, ha, we found it. We found the alcoholism genes. And, um, you know, that was the beginning of my career in this, this <laughs> interest of why about four or five percent of the general population meet a very specific criteria. And, you know, we're A plus personalities. We are um, ADD, ADHD. We are overachievers. We are Navy Special Forces. We are entrepreneurs. Um, and for the longest time, I called this the entrepreneurial mind and really rebranded it away from that because it was clear that entrepreneurs not only were the only ones afflicted with, with what we have. Yeah. And, and you've got, you've, you have, um, you talk about drive a lot, obviously you've got a book called driven. Um, what, what for you, when you, um, in, in, in your side of things, how do you describe drive? What is that, um, so very simply, it, it's building off the hunter-farmer theory, and hunter-farmer theory has been around for you know fifty, a hundred years. It's the you know cultural anthropology view of human development, and you know four thousand, five thousand years ago, the, the theory goes anyway that most of the human population adapted to the agricultural revolution. So the agricultural revolution basically made the world a very safe, boring, predictable, safe place. And it was, you know, the, this brain style or this, this modification that happened, adaptation that happened, was basically the frontal lobe became more and more directive in the way we survived in the world. And so normal and I use that with air quotes big time around it, um, is you put them in a functional MRI and you see this nice, bright, shiny ball of energy in the left prefrontal. And it's the executive function of the brain. You think about what it takes to survive in an agricultural world. It's a, you know, what we did last year is going to help us survive this year. And it's a very simple, logical, linear way of going through the world. And over the last 4,000 years, this style of thinking has, you know, become the vast majority because it works, you know, and if you think about a farmer, they're, they're wired to sit and watch things grow <laughs> literally and not wander away from their crops and, you know, feel like what they're doing now is good enough. And so, this couldn't be anything farther from my wiring. You know, I, I think about a cubicle job, living in a cubicle, you know, from eight to five every day, hoping for my 3% raise in six months. It just makes me feel trapped and like I'm not doing enough. And so it, it you know, and the defining feature of ADD, ADHD, thank goodness for the, you know, medical pharmaceutical interventions, because they have thrown tons of money at trying to understand our brains and we are different 
You know, you put us put us in a functional MRI and the back of our heads light up. We are occipitally dominant, which very simply means we use our eyeballs to go through the world rather than our rational linear thinking. And yet, so we're different. I mean, that that's the punchline to all of this. We are different. There is a different difference. So with so obviously, and you know, and you you talk about that sort of that entrepreneurial mindset, the 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 the, the Navy type special force, pro athletes, those sort of things. Um, what do you do? You think that 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 also these people who possibly may have that type of mindset but are stuck in that cubicle sort oh. of existence, which again, <laughs> by God, that would make me sick. Um, in fact, I does just thinking about it, actually. I'm getting quivers. Um, does that, do you think that's also um, possibly going to affect their mental health and those sort of things as well? Oh, and so when, you know, I could, so the title of my book is Driven, and I could have called my book The Shame-Based Personality Type. And obviously for branding reasons, I probably wouldn't have sold very many, but it's not only do we have a different brain structure, but we also have a different reward system. And this has got the most attention in the addiction literature. And very simply, you know, four or 5% of our population has, has a different reward system. And so no matter what we do, we don't get this dopaminergic surge when we complete a task. And so whatever we do, it never feels like it's quite good enough. And that turns into this, you know, it's very simply called boredom. <laughs> so it, you know, as we're, as we're completing a task, uh, it, it doesn't feel like, you know, we actually did a good enough job. And so it, it turns into this potential identity and that potential identity is really, you know, if you think about a, a farming community, you have very specific job specialization. You have butchers and bakers and candlestick makers. You have the people that sow, the people that reap, the people that blah, blah, blah. And it suits that kind of brain that they really are just this thing. And as long as I do just, just this one thing, I will succeed. Where we, on the other hand, <laughs> we're da Vinci's, you know, we're, butch we're not butchers, bakers or candlestick makers. We're all of them. We're, you know, and so we have this diverse, you know, we are masters of many, many, many things. And the byproduct of that is this potential that most of the drivens that I work with, you know, and you, you see this in any pro athletes that they're trying to get this satiated reward. They're trying to feel like they are good enough and to, to compensate the, for this underlying feeling that there might be really something missing or wrong with me. And that is where the mental health comes in. And, you know, my joke about it is always, you know, two thirds of the drivens are out there just struggling in their addictions, whether it's alcohol or gambling or sex or whatever, or eating disorders. The other third of us that get addicted to work wind up owning most of the crap in the world because we are just, you know, more is better. But the real underlying thing that I work in is, you know, somewhere between 35 and 40, 45 years old, most people, if they're going to be successful, their outer world looks amazing. 
you know, a lot of the business owners and God, from the outside looking in, it's like, man, you got no worries. But our inner experience is so different than the external that eventually those two worlds collide. <laughs> when those two worlds collide, it's midlife crisis, quarter life crisis. You know, it's like, oh my God, I thought I would feel different when I finally made it here. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's interesting because I, I spent a lot of my time working with burnout and chronic stress, and it's it's the high achievers that are there, not quite sure how to how to how to exist in the life that they want because it's been slightly different. Well, that's that's the piece, you know, the, the piece that I really help with is this relief that a lot of my drivens feel when they read my book, because it it's for the first time in, you know, many people's lives that I've worked with, they feel understood. And that was my dilemma, you know, in fourth grade and fifth grade, you know, in the early, early education, I, w- I felt so different than everyone else around me. It was like you know, this kind of deep awareness, like, guys, this is a waste of time. Like, what are we doing here? And the rest of the class were, you know, sheep, basically just going along for the ride. And I was like, don't you guys get it? And they didn't and they don't. Do you not think part, do, do you not think that part of the problem as well is is the way that like for me when i'm 45 when i was growing up it was about competition and sports that's where i shone because i didn't shine in the in the sort of the academia if you want but i was but the i loved competition in sport but we seem to like when my kids went to school it seemed to be that you know, if I lost, my dad would say, brush it, brush it off your knees, stand up and go and win, because the only way you're going to win is by working harder than the other people on the pitch. And that is a classic driven statement. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. So but what's really interesting is the way and I don't know how the US do it or other parts in the world, but now it seems to be that every kid has to have a medal whether they've come first or last and and if you're it that is a classic you know example of how you know farmers want to feel like it's a level playing field they want to feel like everybody's got an equal chance of survival and that's true in their world and it's not true in the hunting world and, you know, survival of the fittest and this internal intense competition. More importantly, this thing called neuropeptide Y is something that really drives a lot of driven people. And it is one of the best predictors for making it through the, you know, grueling training that Navy SEALs go through and through buzz. And what it is, is this reset. And so, you know, as a hunter, we are incredibly quick to get over failure and you know edison 9999 different ways to not make a light bulb but he didn't give up and why and so it's this neuropeptide why that you know the hunter is chasing a rabbit and the rabbit gets away there's an immediate flash of disappointment but with neuropeptide why on board very quickly when we orient to the new rabbit, to the new shiny object in the future, 
we reset our central nervous systems and feel this new charge towards that new opportunity. And as a hunter, it's incredibly important to be able to do that. But for those of us around, for those watching us that aren't wired our, our direction, we look crazy. It's like, God, you're still doing that? What do you, you know, why are you still grinding third year, fourth year in your business? And for the drivens, it feels like we don't have a choice. Yes. Yeah. And and that sort of that relentless tenacity that they just they keep on going. It's because when you were mentioning before about the they kind of like achieve a goal, but they 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 they're already on to that next goal that they've made. Um how did they how do um how did how can they manage that? You know it, so that's that's really the, the core of my book is you know and in the title, you know, it's the gift, the genetic gifts, and it's also a curse. And that that curse part of it, you know, the dark side of drive is this underlying angst, you know, and when they were first coming up with these genetics, really looking at the dopamine receptor number two, which is boredom and number four, which is FOMO, which is this you know fear of missing out gene. You know, we're we're wired to feel like there's always more woolly mammoths over the next hill. And, you know, they call it the wandering gene. But the mental health of this, that we're wired to feel like we're not enough, the world's not enough, and we're wired to feel this sense of impending doom. And that, you know, can, and you see, you know, entrepreneurs that, you know, for all intents and purposes, they've made it, you know, 45, 50 years old, and yet they're suicidal because that inner angst is so wrapped up in their identity that they can't get away from it. My take on that is very simply, you know, we come back to the identity piece of rather than trying to, you know, for a driven person trying to figure out who WHO they are is a path to hell. Because what am I? <laughs> Who am I is this non, you know, it's a spinning loop of, of crazy where I simply give the, you know, shift of identity rather than a who you are, it's a what you are. And so as a driven person, you know, I can't deny that what I am is an animal. What I am is a homo sapien. I am just another animal walking around on God's green earth. And I'm driven. And that I am driven piece helps you understand that I have a, you know, a frontal lobe that's different. I have something called hypofrontality. I do something called multi-thinking, where a normal non-ADD person can have three, maybe four thoughts going on in their head at the same time. We have seven to 13. And so we can multi-think, we can see the big picture and we understand things and complexity that farmers can't. And when we try to describe, you know, our great new big idea to a non-driven brain, they look at us like we're tangential and crazy. Like, how do you come up with this crap? Where for us, if we're not in that creative, moving, directional way to some imaginary finish line, we feel dead. We feel stuck. We feel trapped. And that is where, you know, the impulsivity and the, you know, 
thrill-seeking comes in too. You know, we're, we're, we're not risk-adverse. Where farmers are wired to be risk adverse, they don't want to change what they did last year. And oh my God, it you know, don't fix something that is working. <laughs> Where drivens come in and immediately want to tear it all down to make it better. Yes. Yeah. No. Absolutely. So I suppose the 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 the, the final part, of the the questions before we jump over is is if you have someone who has that sort of A type personality. <laughs> And you start looking at things to help them, if you want, manage their stress more effectively or whatever else. Um, you've got things such as meditation or those sort of things. How does the because I know when I was when I was recovering from my illness and someone went, right, you're going to do you, one of the suggestions I'd like to give you is meditation. And my realistically my ego jumped straight up there and went you are having a laugh if you think that six foot four bloke from the northeast of england is gonna do meditation <laughs> but it was one of the best things i ever did um how do you uh, combat that because the, the so it, it's meditation is so misunderstood it is a most people who teach meditation teach it as a relaxation technique rather than actually what it truly is, is reality checking our central nervous system. And so it is a, it is a shift in understanding. And, you know, it's the wonderful thing. One of the gifts of being driven and a curse is that if we don't get the big picture, if we don't understand what the hell is the point of this, we very quickly lose interest. And I have taught thousands of people to meditate and the light bulb going on for driven people where they go, Oh crap, I can use this where they actually experience for the first time in their lives. Like you say, Whoa, this is, this is different than I thought it was. And it's key if you are a type A person and if you have these driven qualities that you understand that most meditations are created by farmers for farmers. They're not made for us. And particularly with the occipital dominance, you know, we, we close our eyes. And as a driven person, oftentimes the experience is, you know, this kind of flooding of thoughts and it's like, holy crap, I close my eyes. Instantly, I can see 8,000 things going on in my head. And well, just sit with them. Close your eyes and gently relax and imagine yourself in a cool valley. And it makes driven people want to put a gun in their mouth because it, it's like, no, this is a waste of time. Why am I learning to sit and do nothing? Where when you understand meditation is this reality check-in. And you're driven like I am to where I have, I have a wiring system for impending doom. I have a wiring system that feels like nothing is ever good enough. And the dissertation joke that I always say is that, you know, walking out of my doctoral dissertation, Dr. Jim Spira, first guy who ever called me doctor, um, shook my hand and, you know, congratulations, Dr. Brackman, blah, blah, blah. You know, my inner world, my drivenness immediately, and I heard my ego say it clear as a bell, ha ha, they bought it. Because in my inner experience, it felt like, it felt like, you know, the dissertation was not that good. And it really wasn't, you know, it was, <laughs> it was a lot of work and a lot of pain in the ass. And my driven brain 
using this base emotion of feeling like, eh, it wasn't that good, can think about the 13 little areas of my dissertation that I cut a little corner here and thank God they didn't ask that there. But the joke is, it's on my wall. It was good enough. And good enough is not a feeling, which is meditation. And so, you know, it doesn't feel good enough, but is it? The answer is yes. Well, how do I? Well, then it should feel good to me. No, I'm driven. It's never going to feel good. It's never going to feel good enough. But it is. And how does that feel? And it opens up this new door for most of my clients, including myself, to where, you know, it's a farmer's world and it's incredibly easy to survive. And holy crap, I am surviving and I'm making it. And my life is good enough. Dot, dot, dot. How do I make it better? And that, that starting point, the, the new starting point for drivens that I get them to is that my life is okay. <laughs> you know, it's not just okay, but it's really okay. But, you know, my friends, my family, my fitness, my fun, my faith, my finances, all can be better. And how do I create processes and systems as a driven person to really optimize every area of my life? You know, and it's very simply stated, you know, I think I believe drivens, we are genetically wired and, you know, biologically wired in our brain structures for mastery. And mastery is this concept that, you know, it is a constant state of improvement. And so it's, it's you know, an absolute gift. But if you're truly driven like I am, it takes you a while to figure out that you don't have a choice. <laughs> you, you really do have to learn how to reality check these as I mentioned, this episode is sponsored by SalesFlare. So do you have more work with your CRM than you can keep up with? While other CRM software expects you to fill it out manually, SalesFlare automates all of the data input for you. All you need to do is just head to salesflare.com and using the code SUCCESSIQ, you can get 20% off for the next three months. Join me and many other users around the world in using this automated and super easy to use CRM for small businesses selling B2B. Now, on with the show. No, that's fascinating. That's fascinating. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to jump over to the second part of the show where I ask you a set of questions, sir. So um, question number one is, on average, how much time do you roughly dedicate to self-development a week? That's, that's, I'll say it this way. If everything I do throughout the day is potentially self-development. So, right. Okay. <laughs> so you spend a lot. Let's just say a lot. We'll put a lot in that criteria. <laughs> fantastic. Fantastic. Question number two, what book, and it can be any book, has made the biggest impact to your self-development and personal growth and why? Hmm. I would say the Holy Bible, to tell you the truth. Um, I, over the last 25 years, I was raised in a very interesting, fairly stern, legalistic religion um, and hate religion, like truly hated it. And so anything that I had that much resistance for, I had to run towards. <laughs> so 
I wound up with nine different translations and, you know, original Greek and early Vedic Christian. And um, it's a book about shame is what I've come to understand. And so it's a very interesting book about human nature and shame. Oh, okay, fantastic. Um, number three, what app makes the biggest impact to your business or personal life? There's, I would say, right now, my Aura app. <laughs> that is the ring. I live, in, I live in an Aura, and I just started the Aura 3, but I'm a longtime biohacker, of, uh, and I just love it. Yeah, it data. And what, what does it, so what does that actually do? Because I, I have an Apple Watch. I know people say, well, that's nothing compared to the Aura Ring, but what does it actually? So the new Aura does um, body temp and core body temp and, and breathing and respiration rate, heart rate, heart rate variability, sleep, deep. Yeah, it does 13 or 14 different measures. Um, it gives you more data than you can imagine, but I'm really into HRV and heart rate variability is kind of the number that I've been chasing for the last 10 years. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? So when I finished my master's degree, I took a two year hiatus I didn't know it was a hiatus at the time. I had stopped graduate school and decided that money was more important. It took about two years to figure out that if you're chasing money, you you wind up empty. And then I went back into clinical. Well, that's bro. Okay, question number five. What are your challenges in, I'm going to say harmonizing because I hate the word balance, um, work and life and how do you manage them? <laughs> that is what my book is about. Um, so balance, balance is, and excuse my French, balance is bullshit. Um, balancing ing when you're on one foot, you're in a constant state of movement. And so, as a driven person, every area of my life feels like it's not good enough. So I have to on Sundays create a journal journal practice around the areas of my life and it's a reality checking for their okayness yeah okay i get you yeah yeah like that like that okay um number six what advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out slow smooth smooth as fast I think the um that's a that's a special forces terminology as well, isn't it? I know the um I've read that a few times in the SAS books. Yeah, and the other one is uh sleep is a weapon. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. Which actually, but actually that's a very good one. Okay, so sleep is a weapon for you. What does that what do you mean by that? Um the extra two hours of sleep that I've given myself over the last five years has in, been a 4x return on productivity. Yeah, that's brilliant. I love that. I think because there's so many people out there that think staying up longer is like a, like a medal to wear and they don't realize the huge benefits you can get when you actually sleep. Because I've had, I've had both insomnia and uh, mind... Yes. Um, 
And I don't know which is worse, to be quite honest. I really don't. Some people would say, well, the fact that you can sleep must be great. And it's like, yeah, but there's a point where you actually want to do something rather than just constantly sleep. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's and it's optimizing. You know, I don't I don't sleep the same every night. Some well, some mornings I get up at six to go to the gym. Other mornings I sleep till eight. But it's this balance and rhythm. And, you know, all life is a split test, meaning that, you know, I'm going to sleep eight hours this week or set that as a goal and see what happens. And I'm going to sleep six and I'm going to sleep seven. Then I'm going to sleep and, you know, optimizing every area. And if I sleep well, it's more likely that I'm going to have a good workout at the gym. More likely I'm going to be kind to my wife and my kids and be a better coach and be a better therapist. So they're all related. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the fi final question is, is what is your personal definition of success? Laughter. Okay. I even like it more when someone can say it in like a few words, you get some, you get, sometimes you get like mine's fun, flexibility and freedom, but you like, you'll get some people that all it's, it's almost like the, the old Testament. They've got like, and it's like, it should be really simple. It doesn't have to be super complicated. Laughter. <laughs> because when you're laughing, you can't be angry. And when you're laughing, you are free. And when you're laughing, you are abundant. And when you're laughing, it, it's, it kind of encapsulates, you know, yeah, it does. Yeah, so much. Um, the um, the floor is yours, sir, for how we can find out more about the book. Um, where do we go to get it and, and anything else you would like to share? So please take it away. All right. So anything, Dr. Doug, is at IamDriven.com. So very simply, I am driven. I've got a nationally normed, and I spent a bunch of money on, on making sure that my assessment was real and valid. I sent it out to 500, a national representative in the United States. And you will find very quickly that if you are driven, you are different. Um, and it gives you, you know, I get first three chapters of my book, both in audio and print form or free on my website, bunch of content on there. Um, you can find find my book on Amazon. Brilliant. Thank you so much for taking the time. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I just want to take this final opportunity to wish you the greatest success. Well, thank you, Jeff. Have a great day. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening. And it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.